Street medicine has emerged over the past few decades as a way to offer medical care to the homeless population in their own communities, under bridges, along roadways, and in deserted buildings. But is the street medicine model effective, and what are its implications for other medical fields? You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, and joining us to discuss street medicine is Dr. Jim Withers, founder of the nonprofit street medicine organization Operation Safety Net and faculty member of the Department of Medicine at Pittsburgh Mercy Health System. Welcome, Jim. Thank you. You know, take a minute and tell us about yourself first. How many years you've been in practice and how you started on this project? Well, my career is focused on teaching medicine. I'm an internist and I teach here at the Mercy Hospital of Pittsburgh. And my focus over the years has really been on how do we reach people who've sort of been left out by the healthcare system. A lot of this goes back to when I was a kid and I made house calls with my dad in his little VW in the countryside. And there was something really powerful about the way he connected with his patients. And later I realized it's also a very good way to engage patients in their care. So in my teaching career, I was looking for ways to kind of recapture some of that. So one of the groups of folks that uh, definitely were not receiving consistent or good care were the folks who were sleeping outside under bridges and along riverbanks. And um, I thought, what a better classroom could there be than under the bridges to learn really how to work with people on their terms. Now, when you first went out, I read that you'd gone out dressed as though you were homeless yourself. Is that true? Yeah. The first year, I was uh, it was just me and a, and a homeless guy that were going out. My thought was that I didn't want to come off in any kind of a position where you know I had answers for people, that I was intimidating them or, or, or whatever. I'm not sure my thinking was totally clear, but I uh, I read a book that said, you know, if you want to meet street people or homeless people, you need to dress in such and such a fashion. So, yeah, I did. I uh, I kind of dressed like a homeless person and went out at night because that's where the folks are actually sleeping, you know, who's who's actually sleeping outdoors. And I actually didn't tell the hospital for the first year. Uh, it was sort of my own little experiment to see if this was going to make any sense or not. Who are these unsheltered homeless people? We, we get the idea sometimes when we don't see them all the time that these are like the dregs of society. But they're really people like you and me, aren't they, that are just unfortunate or unfortunate circumstances? The more I get to uh, know the folks on the streets, the more similarities I see in them in my own life. I've never been homeless, but a lot of the same kinds of mistakes and weaknesses and and other things, you know, I can certainly see in myself. Now, people in the street do have some characteristic factors that seem to be associated with street homelessness, but for the most part, it's really hard to pin down exactly who, quote, they are. If you get to know each individual, which is another teaching point that I like to make, then you see how it all fit together and how that particular person ended up on the street. A lot of it is simply a kind of a long list of things that they were not. It's more like a process of exclusion. Right. And and isn't the job of doctors really to get to know their patients anyway, no matter who they are? Right. Osler said it's more important to know what person the disease has than to know what disease the person has. And I I think that's definitely true. Were you scared at first or are you ever scared going out there by yourself that among these homeless people, you're going to find somebody who is not quite going to respect you as a doctor and, and maybe mug you? Well, the first year, especially, yeah. I'm not sure, you know, how much of that was my perception of danger. I think it, I think it was dangerous. That's why it was invaluable to have a formerly homeless person with me who'd already been going out to deliver blankets and food to folks, and he served as my guide. There were some kind of scary times in the very beginning. Well, what are some of the challenges that face you when you treat homeless people? Obviously, you don't get the same kind of follow-up. They may not be there the next week. They're not going to be able to walk into the pharmacy and just fill your prescriptions. How do you work all of these issues? Well, the starting point is 
just actually having access to them so that you can engage them. And I mean, that sounds really simplistic, but it's a profound issue because a lot of these folks just aren't even getting to the point where someone's talking to them. And it's kind of a Mexican standoff, if you will. I mean, they're disenchanted and not willing to engage services. And for the most part, the health and social systems have kind of come to the same conclusion about street people is that, you know, when they're ready, they'll, I guess they'll come to us. So there's this impasse. And then you see people out there who have illnesses that are mostly normal, if you will, but they've really gone to a very bad stage. So once you're out and you get to know people and you kind of understand what their health issues are and their mental issues and et cetera, then you start trying to go into the health system with them, which is what I call in-reach work as opposed to outreach because you do have a really strong sense of who that person is and what they can do. And then you see how difficult it is for that particular person to navigate their way into the health system. And that's where we become their ambassadors to work with them to to access those things. Hold on for one second. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Greenberg, and joining me to discuss street medicine, providing care to the homeless, is Dr. Jim Withers, who is the founder of the nonprofit street medicine organization, Operation Safety Net, and faculty member of the Department of Medicine at Pittsburgh Mercy Health System. That being said, Jim is the guy who goes out on the street and is actively treating homeless people which I think is really astoundingly brave and needed. Let's get back to some of the challenges. How do you get medication for your patients? I used to do mountaineering and some wilderness medicine, so I was comfortable with putting together a uh, backpack with medicines in it. The street kind of taught me what it needed. What you end up doing, if you just sort of do this on your own, was you'd realize that there's a person under a bridge who's been seen in the emergency room and it's raining and their prescription is melting and they can't afford it and they weren't going to tell anyone, uh, and they're still ill. So certain things you begin to just have to take, and you put them into Ziploc bags, and pretty soon you've got a backpack with uh, medicines. The things you don't want to bring, of course, are any controlled substances or anything that if a person overdosed or didn't take them well, because you have to think about their ability to understand. Where'd you get the medications from? (laughs) Well, in the beginning, I just pretty much either bought them myself or um, like bandage supplies, I actually would would steal (laughs) from the hospital. Uh, Later on, I fessed up and talked to the the administrator, and uh, she was actually delighted with what we were doing because the Mercy Hospital actually started with nuns that walked the streets about 150 years ago. I realized, gosh, I'm sort of recreating the wheel here. And don't you kind of save money for the hospital anyway? Doesn't the emergency room utilization go down by these people when you go out there and treat them? In fact, uh, yeah, we see a lot of people whose only care would have been in an emergency room. And, you know, there are emergency rooms throughout the city of Pittsburgh that all benefit from us seeing the folks and sort of triaging. But also there's a lot of times when a street person came to an emergency room and for whatever reason that encounter wasn't complete or very good and the person ends up back on the street and there are issues that were very dangerous that had not been fully taken care of. So we we have have a kind of a quality assurance uh, function there as well. Okay, now you're using the plural, us and we. Is it more than you out on the street now? Oh, yeah. It evolved. There was a nurse that started asking to come out and pretty soon we paired up medical people with their own formerly homeless partners and specialized in different parts of the city. My secretary began receiving phone calls at the Department of Medicine from street people, and she got a kick out of that. So when we finally got a grant, then uh, she quit her job and became the secretary for the homeless. In 93, we were able to uh, start our organization officially, and we got an administrator. And from that point on, 
we just built, and uh, so we have case management. For the folks that we see at night, I think there's really an obligation that they can come during the daytime and then work on their health insurance, getting into medical care, but increasingly into into housing and and all the other services. So volunteer-wise, we probably have uh, maybe 30 people, doctors, nurses, paramedics, that go out. Is this just in Pittsburgh? That's correct. How about other cities? I've been networking with cities mostly in the United States, but also in Northern Europe, in India, and uh, Central South America to pull together those who do this. And, And then I started calling it street medicine some years ago. So it just became obvious to me that there is actually a field of medicine where people do take medical care right out into the streets and under bridges and try to work with people. And they had no group to speak with each other about. So in 2005, we hosted the first International Street Medicine Symposium with some funding from GlaxoSmithKline. It brought together these folks, these pioneers really from all over the world. We have an annual meeting and many cities have asked us to help them initiate programs to deal with their street people. So we started a program, a new organization called uh, the Street Medicine Institute, which will continue that work and, and improve it to help communities throughout the United States particularly that want to work with their street homeless populations to provide street medicine. So how could our listeners, if they wanted to do something and participate, get in touch with you or your organization? Is there a website? They could either contact uh, home base here, which is www.operationsafetynet.net, or they could go to the street medicine website, which is www.streetmedicine.org. Right, but you don't recommend that we just start it on our own? No, please call me. Please call me, or or if there's different regions of the country, I can connect you with um, experts in the field. Well, are municipalities really helping now in hospitals? Because with the economy the way it is, we're going to see more people who are homeless these days, not on the street. Uh, Is this something that government is working with also? I think they're just beginning to wake up to the fact that this is really an unacceptable situation. You've got all these people, growing numbers of people, sleeping outside, who their morbidity or mortality is really high, their problems aren't getting addressed adequately. You need something like a street medicine program. And I would like to eventually see street medicine as something that's as normal if there are street people out there as the fire department or the paramedics. We've made a big dent in the number of homeless here by combining the old doctor house call visits and that trust with housing. So we've actually gotten 228 people from the streets into scattered housing in the last uh, three years with about an 80% retention rate. Let me ask you another question about malpractice coverage. How do malpractice carriers view this? Is there, do they view it as a greater risk or a lesser risk? How, how, how are you covered? Well, you know, I did have some concerns about that, and uh, eventually I had to, had to make that phone call to my malpractice carrier. And uh, the guy asked me, he said, uh, are, you, are you doing anything outside of the scope of your training? And I said, no. And he said, are you keeping records of what you do? And uh, I said, yeah. In fact, we have a really good computerized system. But uh, he said, well, you know, that's, that pretty much covers it for you. Now, different states have different approaches to this, but uh, we could also help anyone who's interested in doing this address those issues because our, our administrators uh, become somewhat of an expert on that. But you're a 501c3, are you not? That's right. So if listeners wanted to contribute, if they couldn't contribute time, can they contribute to the organization? Certainly, certainly. And we're, we're only supported, actually, by the money that we can get from donations and grants. It's a little difficult since we don't charge the patients directly. Is anybody reimbursed for this, the practitioners? Not directly for medical care, no. Not, not in our model. There are other programs that uh, combine it with uh, 
maybe their work with the county or as part of Healthcare for the Homeless, which is a national network that mostly works in soup kitchens and shelters. Okay, so paint me a picture of your vision for the future, what you would like to see happen in the next few years with your organization, with street medicine in general. I would love to have the capacity, and this is a financial question, I guess, as well, to really provide those communities that want to delve into the needs of their street populations to uh, be able to use this as a resource and start their own programs. I uh, certainly understand the need to begin to get a hold of some of these numbers that will show the cost-effectiveness of what we do. We've done some work here. We, we estimate we save about $300,000 to our local hospital in terms of ER utilization, the length of stay, and those kinds of things. But that, that has to be looked at in a, in a much more um, comprehensive way to make the financial argument. So far, the moral and the common sense arguments have, have been adequate, but I do understand the need to, uh, to get some, some harder numbers on this. I'd like to also have this educational experience available. We have a fourth-year clerkship, so any fourth-year medical student particularly who wants to come and spend a month with us uh, can do so. And it's an in-depth, uh, I think it's the only street medicine rotation available in the country. And we get service-oriented students from all over that are just fantastic. They go on to uh, their own service careers, but for a time they're able to immerse themselves in a population that really drives the concept that you need to understand who these people are that you're, you're trying to work with. You have to get out of the hospital. You have to get out of your uh, your control zone, if you will, and work with people on their terms. So I think that most programs should try to connect themselves with teaching institutions because students really absorb a lot out of this. Well, thank you. Thank you, Jim. This is, I think, a great opportunity for students who are listening, for our physician and health professionals who are listening to get involved either by supporting the organization or actually going and doing it. Thank you. This is a great opportunity to get the medical world. It's been a little bit of an uphill battle to sort of get the idea across to the medical field. And people really ask me, well, why did you do this? If I'm thoughtful, what I say is I went out on the streets to try to help physicians because I really think that we have incredible difficulty seeing through other people's eyes. I'd like to thank my guest from Pittsburgh Mercy Health System, Dr. Jim Withers. We've been speaking about street medicine, providing care to the homeless. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and you've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Be sure to visit our website at ReachMD.com, which has been newly redecorated, which features on-demand podcasts of our entire library, including this show, and we thank you for listening. This is Dr. H. Richard Alexander from the Department of Surgery at the University of Maryland Medical Center in Baltimore, Maryland. You are listening to the first national radio channel created specifically for medical professionals, ReachMD Radio.